Well, this morning we are going to continue in the series that we have been in and will be through the rest of the summer, the proverbial life, as we are talking through the book of Proverbs, looking what God has to say. And the book of Proverbs is filled with God's wisdom. And we've talked about this over and over again, that God has wisdom for us. The question is, will we submit to God's wisdom or will we go off and do our own thing? We say, nah, I don't really care what you have to say. And so we're talking different topics. You know, we've talked about a number of different topics. Last week, we talked about S-E-X, right? And for some of you, you were really uncomfortable by that message. Like, it was just awkward for me to talk about that on a Sunday, especially my wife. It was un- uncomfortable for her. But the most uncomfortable person that had to listen to that message was my son, Levi. Jordan got a video of this, of Levi sitting on the front row in the message, just like, you can just see, he's like, oh, God, what am I doing right here? My dad is so awkward and uncomfortable right now. So luckily you weren't my 12-year-old son. I love you, Levi. You're amazing. Don't worry, he gave me permission to show this picture, (laughs) okay? Uh, But this week we are going to talk about a different topic, and that is words. We're going to be looking at our words. And uh, how many of you would say that your mouth has gotten you into trouble before? (laughs) I mean, it happens on a regular basis, right? Sometimes it's a thing you say. You, know, you say that thing, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Sometimes it's a thing you didn't say or you forgot to say that gets you into trouble. And uh, these days, uh, one stupid word or one careless word can get you canceled, right? And so I saw a prayer, and some of you may need to pray this prayer on a regular basis. It says, this, dear God, please put your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth, right? Like some of you need that in your life. Uh, but as we look through uh, the book of Proverbs, there's a lot that Proverbs has to say about words. And I'm hopeful that this will be one of those uh, messages that is going to meddle with you a little bit. I think all of us uh, need this in our lives. We're going to be challenged in our lives. Is what does it look like uh, to live this thing out more than just talking about faith? How do we actually live this thing out in our words? If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me uh, to Proverbs chapter 18? Proverbs chapter 18, beginning in verse number 20. And uh, if you would, would you stand with me across the room? Something we do around here, it's our tradition to say, God, we honor your word above my own words. Your word matters more. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 20 says this. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Father, we thank you so much that you have wisdom for us. Lord, I pray you help us to listen today. God, help us not just to listen, though. Help us to do this thing, Lord. Help us to to live a different way. May we speak differently. May the way we use our words look different because of hearing your word today. We pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. I don't have to convince you, but words have power, don't they? Words have power. Uh, My guess is we can all think of a time when somebody spoke a positive word that encouraged us. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it's some family member. Maybe it was a friend. You were down. You were discouraged. And they spoke something, and it just lifted your heart up. They have power. But I would guess in the same way, there's many of you that have a word that was spoken of you that was harsh, that was hurtful, that was cutting. And I would bet that there's some people sitting in the room today that that might have happened a year ago. That might have happened 10 years you know, 10 years ago, several decades ago, and you're still living with the scars of a harsh word. You're still, still living with words that, that have spoken of you, that have just left their mark on you in a negative way. And, and I would say that our words, the scripture said it, they have the power of life and death. Our words are like driving a car, okay? 
You know this. When you get in a car, when you drive a car, it's life or death. You're putting your life and other people's life on the line every time you drive. But we drive every day. So we get careless. We don't think about the fact that this thing is life or death. Like we're driving around doing what? Eating a Big Mac. Some of you ladies are putting makeup on. You're looking at your cell phone while you're driving. We're all doing these things while driving something that is life or death. We just don't think about it. And so when uh, you look at some of the studies, some studies have come out and said that most people speak around 15 to 16,000 words a day. That's a lot of words that we use. There was a study that I read that said that Men, it's, it's, it's guessed that they speak 10,000 words a day and that women speak 20,000 words a day. I don't know if that's true, but it feels true, right? Like it just feels like it's probably true. It does, right? And uh, when you look into Proverbs, Proverbs, almost every chapter of Proverbs has something to say about our words. Because it's something that's normal. It's something that we talk about, uh, that we use on a regular basis. And one of the themes that we'll see in, in Proverbs, I love to say that Proverbs make it, makes it evident that our words are like a thermostat. You know what a thermostat is, right? Thermostat sets the temperature of your house. Right? You go in your house, you say, I want it to be a little hotter here. You turn that thing up. I want it to be cold. I turn that thing down. It has the power to adjust the temperature Okay? And in the same way, Proverbs say our words are just like that. It sets the temperature of the environments that we're in. It has the ability to set the tone of every environment that we are in. And so the question is, are we being intentional with how we set the tone? Are we being intentional with how we're setting the temperature in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in, on the works? place, you know, at school, are you being intentional, intentional about how you're setting that temperature, okay? And so we're going to uh, go through a lot of scripture today, so this would be one of those that might be worthwhile for you to take notes if you don't ordinarily do that, because uh, there's a lot of things God wants to speak to us. There's two points and a bunch of subpoints as well as a big so what. All right, so what are some of the wisdom that, uh, that Proverbs had for us? Number one is this, guard your words, guard your words. Chapter 13, verse 3 says this in Proverbs, it says, those who guard their lips Preserve their lives, right? They're actually saving yourself when you guard your lips. But those who speak rashly come to ruin. If our words have the power of life and death, then we need to start guarding them a little bit more. I mean, when's the last time you thought about what you talked about? See, oftentimes we just react. We're not thinking about what we're saying. We're just speak, 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 react, 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 react. When do you actually take time to guard what you're doing? How many of you have ever golfed before? How many of you ever golfed before? Okay, if you've ever golfed, how many of you have ever driven a golf cart before? Okay. okay, women think we like to play golf. We like to drive golf carts. That's what we like to do, okay? Golf carts are fun. And if you've ever driven a golf cart on a golf course, every guy has a story of that time we almost flipped the golf cart, okay? That's just how we are. You don't understand this. And because of that, you may not realize that golf cart manufacturers understand that. And so what do they put on golf carts? They're called governors, okay? What does a governor do? A governor prevents you from driving the cart too fast. So if you get, because every guy, when, what do you do? Slam the gas down, right? We slam the gas, we go. And eventually it like slows up and it stops at just a reasonable pace. And you're like, oh, this is annoying. But it does it on purpose. Why? Because the golf cart manufacturers know that we're going to do something dumb, okay? And so they put this on their, what? To guard. They are guarding their golf cart because they know you will not guard it for them, Okay? And in the same way, we have to say, okay, how can we guard our words? How can we be more intentional about the way we guard our words? Now, one of the ways that we guard our words is this, 
is by weighing our responses. Weighing our responses. Chapter 15, verse 28 says this. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Right? It's the difference between weighing something, thinking about it, and just gushing whatever you think. I think a lot of times we speak without thinking. You know, there's those times where like, ah, I didn't use my filter on that one. But I would guess you all have that friend who doesn't even own a filter. <laughs> you know, that, that friend, just like, it's just like watching a car wreck. It's like you can't look away. They just keep saying things like, oh, my gosh, shut your mouth. Stop talking. You're making it worse. It's like this meme I saw one time. It said this. I don't always say something stupid, but when I do, I keep talking and make it worse. <laughs> you know, it's like, just, just close your mouth a little bit here. Have some, have some patience here, okay? One of the ways that we guard is by weighing the things that we say thinking about the things that we say. You're familiar with, it, with this uh, when it comes to gold. Like gold, the first thing you have to think about, what's the purity of it? You know, is this 10 karat gold? Is this 20, 14 karat gold? Is it 24 karat? But once they've determined that, you know how they determine the value of it? They weigh it. This is how much, this weighs this much. This is how valuable this is. And so when it comes to our words, the question is, are we taking a moment? Are we giving pause to say, what's the value of this thing? Is this thing helping? Is this thing hurting? Now, a lot of times in our life, you know, we don't have 10 hours to determine this thing, but we have a moment. And do we take that moment? Do we take that breath to say, hmm, wisdom would say, maybe I don't say that. Maybe I should say that differently, right? Are we actually weighing those things? And I think one of the areas where we oftentimes can be guilty in this is on social media or digital forms, okay? Whether it's social media, whether it's texting, whether it's emailing, a lot of times someone will say something to us, and you'll see it happen all the time, and just send, right? You know, you'll see it on Facebook. You, you see people, you know, fighting on Facebook. You ever see that? It just, like, drives me crazy. I'm like, but you realize this is a public forum, right? <laughs> the whole world is watching your argument right now. We're all seeing you guys going back and forth on this thing, Okay? But we do that. We just respond, 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 respond. I saw a uh, speech, Herm Edwards, he was a coach in the NFL, and he had an opportunity to speak to a bunch of rookie NFL players, all these young guys. He had them in the room. You could actually Google this speech. It's a great speech he gives. He's like, guys, listen, you're going to be totally rich. You're going to have wealth and influence and all this stuff, and here's what's going to happen. People are going to say mean things about you. They're going to say something hurtful. They're going to do something, and you're going to want to respond. You're going to want to fire off on social media or Twitter or wherever you are. You're going to fire your thing off and do it. Type it up. Type it up. Type it up. But here, here, don't press send, okay? Just don't press send. Get it all out, and don't press send, and think about it. Is this the right decision? Should I do this right now? You know, I do this with email sometimes. Oftentimes, if somebody sends an email, I'll usually just pick up a phone and call. But on occasion, it makes sense to respond via email. And there's sometimes where I've typed an email, and you know what I do? I type it up, put it in my draft folder. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Make sure that there's no emotion in here, that I'm not saying something stupid, that I'm not getting off on my, my own problems. No, I want to be able to communicate clearly. Because how many times have you ever gotten into a text fight? Somebody texts you, you text back, and suddenly this thing gets heated, Right? Because we're not thinking anymore. We're just responding, okay? Weigh your responses, okay? Another way that we guard our words is by knowing when to be silent, right? Knowing when to just, just shut up. <laughs> it would be good for you. Here's what it says in chapter 10, verse 19. I love this. And this is in the NLT. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It sounds like a mother talking to you here. Like, just keep your mouth shut. Uh, there's, a, there's a famous quote by Mark Twain that said this. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. And there, and there are times in life where we just need to, like, shut your mouth. Just 
Like, don't say anything. I need this over my life. Greg, just shut it. Like, it's not helping anything. You are making things worse right now. Can I have some wisdom here? Can I actually have the wisdom to say, you know what? It's better to be silent. Sometimes that's the best thing. We think we have to say something. You don't always have to say something. You don't always have to respond to everything that's spoken. We don't. Wisdom says sometimes be quiet. This happened to me when I was in elementary school. I told you before, I was kind of like the little good kid. I didn't get in trouble all that often. But every once in a while, I would do something a little ridiculous that didn't make sense. And, and when I was in the fourth grade on the, on the uh, playground, it was fourth through sixth grade on the playground. And you know I'm not a very big guy. I've never been a very big guy. So in fourth grade, I was a very little guy, you know. So I'm a little guy. And there was a sixth grader who was like the big sixth grader. So there was a vast difference between the two of us. And he was big and he was a little tough and a little rough. And, uh, but for some reason, I don't even, I think back, I'm like, wow, that was foolish. I started saying this thing that was annoying him. And I just kept doing it. <laughs> and I just kept, it was just like bugging him. And he's like, stop, stop. And I just kept doing it. And he's on the swing, and I just kept saying it. And he finally gets angry at me. He's like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to come kill you. And he's like, yeah, he was aggressive. And I don't know what got in me, though. And I'm like, I just got to do it one more time. I got to see what's going to happen. And so I said it, and the kid jumps off the swing and starts running out, and I'm sprinting as fast as I can. The kid's way bigger and faster than me, and I'm, I'm thinking he's just going to pop me. He shoved me to the ground, and I'm on the ground. I'm like, no, don't hit me, whatever, and he just stands with me. Never do that again, and he walked the ground, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. He didn't hit me. He didn't hit me, but, but sometimes we're that way, aren't we? Some of us have the spiritual gift of poking the bear. Like, you know... You know where that's going to lead. <laughs> you just keep doing it. Like, you just got that knife, and you just kind of keep poking. And you know, like, what, you know, you got the stick, and you just poke that bear over and over again. You know what's coming out. They're getting frustrated. They're getting angry. You just keep poking at it. You know, wisdom would say, just put the stick down. Right? Sometimes you just need to put the stick down. Right? Are you annoyed with that thing? Probably. Let it go. Keep your mouth shut. Like wisdom would say, there, there's a better way to go about this thing, okay? And so, so one way that we uh, set the temperature in our lives is through this, by guarding our words. But the second thing is this, that we bless others with our words. Bless others with your words. It's not enough to simply uh, protect your words, guard your words, try not to say anything foolish. But how are we leveraging our words for the benefit of other people? That's an important thing. It says this in chapter 16, verse 24. It says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Now, you might not be aware of this. Uh, they didn't have Snickers ice cream <laughs> or cosmic brownies at this time, okay? They didn't. It was a hard life they were living. They had honey. And honey was actually served two purposes. Number one, it was sweet. It was like a dessert. It was something special that you got. It just felt good, right? It's just like eating ice cream, eating brownies, whatever it is. It just makes you feel good. But honey was also used as medicine. There was a medicinal value to it. And, and so what the scripture is saying is, listen, we need to begin to think of our words as a tool that we can leverage for the benefit of others. Then we need to begin to think of how do we not just simply avoid hurting other people, but how do we actually encourage people and bring healing to their lives through our words? 
And this is really, really hard. Like, I don't do this one very well. But I'm, I'm reading this this week and say, God, would you help me to be better at the way that I use my words to bless and encourage other people? And so there's two different ways that is spoken about very specifically in the book of Proverbs. The first one is this, is that we would choose to respond gently. Choose to respond gently. It says this in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs, uh, stirs up anger. For the most part, let's just be honest, we respond kind with kind. What do I mean? If someone speaks harshly to us, we have a tendency to speak harshly back at them. If somebody speaks you know, graciously with us, we have a tendency to respond graciously, right? We are, tend to just respond to what we've been receiving. But the challenge here is not, would you just respond in the way everybody's talking to you? The challenge is, could you choose to respond gently even when they don't speak gently to you? Like even when they're being harsh to you, could you choose a different way? Could you choose a better path? Remember, you're the thermostat. Or you're, yeah, you're the thermostat. You get to set the tone. You get to determine the temperature. And if the other person is trying to turn it up, you can say, you know what? I'm going to try and turn it down. Right? I don't have to respond the same way that the other person is speaking to me. I can respond in a different manner. Tone matters. You know this, that uh, 90% of our communication is nonverbal. A lot of us, it's not what we say, it's how we say it. How we say, okay, are we speaking in a gracious way? And so this is the challenge. Could we be those who, who speak gently toward one another, who have kindness toward one another? Here's a converse, uh, quote that I want to just say for some of you. This is a freebie. When a conversation gets funky, stop typing. For many of you, you uh, you're in, you know, whether it's texting, whether it's emailing, whether it's social media, there are times when uh, conversations can get a little heated. As we said, we'll see this happen on social media times where people get heated on social media. And if it gets funky, stop typing. Sometimes in a text, you ever been in a text and suddenly you're like, I think they're, I think they're interpreting me as being angry right now. And you can sense that it's, sorry, you know, we all put a smile emoji to try and butter things up, you know. Like if you're not sure how they're going to, LOL, <laughs> smiley face, it's okay, right? But there are times where things start to get funky, like there's a miscommunication happening here or something's going on. When that happens, when it gets funky, stop typing and pick up the phone and make a call, right? Or maybe you need to go meet that person face-to-face -face. because a lot of us are guilty of making things worse rather than making them better in these moments, okay? How can we actually, in these moments, choose to respond gently to this circumstance so that there's life here and not death? Another way that we can bless others is by building others up. Building others up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think for a lot of us, our words are filled with unwholesomeness and not a lot of building up of others. Like, we're, we can all be guilty of this. Like, man, are my words actually helping? It's not just am I not hurting, but am I building this person up? What do you see your role as, you know, with your kids? Is your role as a parent, is that to point out all the flaws of your child? Or is your role to encourage them in what God has gifted them in? I felt convicted on this this week. And how can I do a better job of building up my kids with my words? 
You know, the same thing with our spouses. Is our, our role as a spouse is to try and point out every flaw that our spouse has, or is our role to try and build them up and encourage them in who they are? When it comes to on the job, is your job to sit and point every flaw out of your coworkers and your boss? Is that your job? Or is your job to say, how could I actually bless others and build them up with my words? When they leave me, they feel like, wow, I don't know, I don't know what, but I feel encouraged right now. Because your words are different than everybody else. Because the world is just criticizing and tearing everybody down, aren't they? Like the world is looking for you to fail and then ring the bell about it, right? Ah, look at them. Look at them. They screwed up. Let's cancel them. Let's get them out of here. No, they're all, no. That's what the world does. We're not called to live that way. God's given us a different kind of wisdom. Could we build each other up? Could we live differently? It's not easy. It's not normal. It's not the way the world runs normally. But it's what God is calling us to. Could we actually step into a different way of living? Uh, there's a lady. I love her. And I would say there's many of you that do this for us. For Amber and I, there's many of you that, that encourage us. And I just want you to know, sometimes you're like, I don't know if you want to hear this, but I just want to, I don't want to encourage you with something. We always want to hear that, okay? Never be afraid to encourage us because there's plenty of times where maybe we get discouragement. And so when you guys speak life into us, it means the world to us. Just know that. But there was a, a, a little old lady at my past church, Marian Anderson, sweet old lady. And she passed away late in her 80s, probably about 8, 10 years ago she passed away. But my first 10 years in ministry, a sweet lady, and she would always sit on the second row. And I was a worship pastor, worship leader. And I was just a young kid, you know, in my 20s, trying to be a pastor, trying to figure out how to do all this kind of stuff. And she was such an encourager to me. In fact, she loved, she loved me leading worship, so she'd sit on the second row. At the end of service, I'd just be playing the keys, and they'd be altar time, and I'd play, and eventually I'd be done, and I'd stop and turn a CD on. She would sit there until the last note I played. It didn't matter if the service was done 20 minutes ago. She was going to sit there until I was done. She's like, I just love it, Greg. I'm like, that's great. I love it, Miriam. But one of the most precious things, because I know this, I'll hear this from from seniors who maybe are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s and think, well, you know what? We're going to let the young people do the stuff. I'm, I'm, I've already done my service. I've already engaged. I've done the things that matter. We're going to let the young people do this. I'll tell you this, that Marion did one of the most powerful things. Could she run around with, you know, doing flips with the, the middle schoolers? No. Could she do it? But you know what she did? She would handwrite me letters of encouragement. And I felt so bad. I, I, I walked out the house this morning without it. I have a stack still about this thick handwritten letters that she wrote to me of encouragement just to say hey i'm praying for you greg hey i noticed this thing you're doing well hey i just want you to know don't give up greg like these encouragement and that filled me up like how many of us would like to receive a letter like that from somebody you know we all would love that what if we were that for somebody else you're waiting for somebody to write you a letter how about you write a letter you see people that are are, are doing things that are encouraging to you encourage them in that like, speak life into them. When we begin to speak life, it does something in our hearts as well. Listen, she had a joy. I guarantee you she had a joy when she wrote me those letters. And yes, guess what I did? When she'd hand me a, write, a letter, I'd handwrite her a letter right back. <laughs> I never wrote letters, but I did for Marion because it meant something to me. There's a scripture that says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How could we use our words to spur other people? to fulfill what God has put in their hearts, to live out the calling that he has on their lives. So we look through this, and Proverbs has pointed over and over again that our words are a thermostat, right? They're setting the temperature of every environment that we're a part of. But Jesus points to something else. 
And he gives us another facet to this whole idea of our words. He says that not just a thermostat, but our words are also a thermometer. What does a thermometer do? It measures your temperature to determine if you are healthy. It's able to check symptoms. And your words are just like that. Your words are also a thermometer. It says this in Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 33. It says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Hear this, for the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And what Jesus is doing in this, in this section is he's, he's tying our words to our hearts. He's saying, listen, what you speak is evidence of what's actually going on inside of your heart. And so I want to get to our big so what this morning. We always have a big so what. What's the point of this thing? Your words reveal your heart. You might just think, oh, it's just a callous word, not a big deal. Nothing. Whoa, whoa. Listen, your words reveal your heart. Are there times where we make a stupid comment that doesn't make sense? Oh, sure. But in, in the fullness, we need to recognize if you're regularly speaking something, you need to be aware, oh, this is saying something. Hello, warning sign. There's something going on inside that you may not realize. It says it this way in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. If we pull that up, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Jesus is saying, listen, there's sometimes there's things going on inside of you, and you don't ever know it until you start to hear your words that you're speaking. And you realize, oh, no, there's something else going on there. Do you find yourself tearing other people down? You may be dealing with issues of insecurity and shame in your own life. Are you struggling with authority in some way, and you're speaking harshly? There may be a sense of rebellion in your heart. There's something going on that you're not, you're struggling to submit to this authority. Is there anger? Is there rage in you? There may be unforgiveness. There may be bitterness that's going on in your heart. And your words are revealing that. The question is, are you listening to the thermometer? Are you paying attention to the things that you're speaking out? Your words reveal your heart. And Proverbs gives us all this wisdom. I love the wisdom that we just had about guarding your words and knowing when to be silent, all this kind of stuff. This is all really, really good stuff. These are all very practical tips for us. But if we aren't careful, it just becomes behavior modification. Like I just got to get a rein on my tongue. I just got to be better with the way that I speak. And, and, And that's a good thing. But the gospel isn't about just new behavior. The gospel is about a brand new heart. What does it say in Corinthians? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so when we get into these moments, it's an opportunity for us to submit to God, to say, God, I trust in you. And when we do that, he transforms our hearts. He gives us a new heart. And when things come out of our mouth that shouldn't, and it will, right? It doesn't matter if you love Jesus or not. You're going to say things that are foolish at times. It's okay. But in that moment... You can give pause and say, okay, God, is there an area of my heart that still needs to be transformed? Is there something that this word that I spoke, it's still revealing? Is there still work you need to do on me? I'm not a finished product. I don't know about you, but I'm not a finished product. I got a lot of work that still needs to be done. There's a lot of sanctifying that still needs to happen in me. And so it's an opportunity to say, okay, why did I say that? What's at the root there? God, is there something, is there a healing I still need in my heart? Is there some unforgiveness? Is there some bitterness in my heart? Is there something going on there that needs to be transformed? This is what's going on here. And if we will humble ourselves, I genuinely believe that God will do a work on us. Remember the Pharisees? Jesus would get really mad at the Pharisees, right? And why would he get mad at the Pharisees? There was something he would say. He would say, 
you guys clean the outside of your cup, but the inside is filthy. And here's what will happen. If you only look at the book of Proverbs, you'll try to only clean up the outside of your cup without dealing with the inside. And so we bring our hearts before God and we say, God, yeah, I can have greater wisdom with my words, but even more than that, God, I need you to change me. I need you to shape me. I want to come under submission even in that area of my life. So there's a, there's a prayer that I pray. I memorized this years ago, and I pray this on a regular basis. And uh, this is something that I, I want you to think about in Psalm 19, verse 14. It ends by saying this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, in this psalm, uh, David was writing all these amazing things about how great God is, how powerful he is, all these things, and then about how powerful his words are, right? He's saying all these things that I'm thinking about, all the things that i am that I'm got holding in my heart, the things that I'm speaking out, God, would all this stuff be pleasing to you? And I pray that that would be the way that we think. God, the way that I, that I live my life, the things that I'm speaking, the things that are coming out of my heart, God, I pray that it would be pleasing to you. And when it isn't, Lord, help me to bring my heart before you again in submission to you to say, God, would you clean me again? I I just need your hand. I need your grace. Good news is his grace is available to us. God, I need your grace. Can you shape me more that I would look more like Christ and less like me in this area? Whatever the area is of our lives, this would be one of those areas that I would challenge us in. And so I want to give you a challenge this week. It's a practical step because we're going to talk. I don't know know what else you're going to do this week, but you're going to talk this week. I know that. So I'm going to challenge you to a prayer every morning this week. And this is the challenge. Would you begin your day by praying Psalm 1914? Maybe you need to write that down. Put it in your phone. And pray that over your life this, this every single day. Lord, I pray today, would you help me everything in my heart, help it to honor you. And Lord, I pray that the words I speak today, God, would they honor you. And when they don't, prepare, because it's coming, I'm sure. When they don't, Lord, God, would I have a heart of submission Say, God, would you, would you shake me? There's still some work you need to do in my heart. Because I want to be one that's a fountain of life, not a fountain of death for those around me. Okay? I want to take a moment and just to pray together. And as we're going to begin, I want to, would you just put your hands over your heart? I want to pray over us. Father, I thank you so much uh, that you gently remind us of what matters. So we come back to the gospel, which says we need a heart transformation. We don't just need to try and change our behavior. We need our our whole life changed. And so, God, we give our hearts to you right now. Lord, I pray if there are areas of of hurt and pain in our heart that are still resulting in words that are, are callous toward others, God, I pray that you would shape them. God, we submit our hearts to you. We surrender our hearts to you, God. Would you make us more and more like you? Chip away at the hard parts of our heart, maybe the places where we're wounded and we've gotten callous to you. Lord, I pray that there would be a softness and a tenderness in our, in our hearts again, Lord. And then would you do something? Would you put your hands over your mouth for a second? And I just want to pray over our mouths. God, I pray this week, Lord, I pray that the words that we speak would be different this week. Father, that we would heed to your wisdom. God, we would be responsive to your spirit. And rather than just reacting in every circumstance like it's so easy to do, God, I pray that we would be thermostats that set the temperature, that we would wake up in the morning with a determination in our heart to say, God, we want to honor you and we want to encourage others with our words. Lord, I pray that homes would look different. God, I pray for homes that maybe for decades have been just painful as it's just harsh words. Everybody just speaking harsh to one another. God, I pray that there could be a transformation, a pivoting, 
Nobody waiting for the other person to do the right thing, but all of them deciding, no, we are going to be the ones that speak life. We're going to be the ones that encourage and build up, not tear down. Lord, I pray you help every one of us to do that. God, I pray over our teenagers. I pray over our teenagers. It's a hard season. It's really easy to want to be, you know, just nagging on your parents. God, I pray that you would help the teenagers in here to have mouths that say, God, we're going to honor you. We're not going to wait till we're older to honor you with our words. We're going to do this now. We're going to speak life to authority. We're going to speak that, God, because it will reap blessing in our lives. And God, I pray for every one of us, even when it comes to the way we text, the way we interact online, God, I pray this week that we would have greater wisdom. Father, that even our words, even the typed words would be submitted to you, Jesus. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. I pray that we live that out this week, all right?